Welcome back to the Andrew Curtis Show. Now, if you've been listening to the show for a while, you would have learned that we are idealists around here. We're always looking for ways that um, we can make a difference in the world around us. And I think that we can make it difficult for ourselves. How do I make a difference? How do I make an impact? Um, you may or may not be aware that a few years ago, I had the privilege of being involved in a charity bike ride through Thailand through an organization called Hands Across the Water. It was an incredibly worthy cause, and I'm going to talk about more about that with you all in a moment. Uh, but one of the riders with me there uh, was Nikki, and we were fighting our way through 40-degree temperatures in Thailand, 500 Ks. I got to the end of that ride and thought, this was amazing, but that's enough for me. Nikki's about to do her fourth ride in four years, and so I'm just inspired by that. Um, as somebody who is a non-cyclist myself, and I think she is too by her own admission, you know, why, why, would, why would we choose to do that? What is it about this particular cause that, um, that caught her attention? I wanted to get her perspective on that. I wanted to give you all a chance to listen to that and just be aware of what inspires you. You know, there might be something that's in your world right now that you could grab a hold of and, and, and make a part of your world to make a difference with. So with all that said, welcome to the show, Nikki. Thanks for making the time. Hi, thank you. Good Welcome to, to podcasting. I know this is very new for me, and I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I honestly have thought, like, where's the best place to begin with this? Because again, like, you know, we met on that ride uh, was about four years ago now. Um, but why don't we talk about even the lead up to that? Like, when you discovered who Hands Across the Water are, it's probably better for you to talk about who they are and what they they do. And I guess we'll lead into that first ride there, and then talk about where things have gone from there. So. Over to you. Cool. Yeah, okay. So Hands Across the Water, the first time I found out about them, I was sitting at a Business Blueprint conference and Dale Beaumont, who runs that, he had previously done a ride and um, wanted to do more for the, the um, organisation. So he wanted to run his own rides within his business and get his um, clients on board. So he showed us a video um, and... I just watched it and thought, oh, yeah, this sounds cool. And by the end of the video, I was just in tears. I mean, just I run a nanny agency, so children are just my whole life. And I'm a single mother myself to a little boy who's now eight um, at the time. Obviously, this is four years ago. So I just I watched this video and I was just in tears and I just thought I was just drawn to it. I just thought I have to be a part of this, like sign me up. Um, and then... I questioned it, to be honest. I was like, oh, should I be doing this? Shouldn't I? Should I really be, you know, going away from my son for this amount of time? Can I raise the $5,000, which was one of the prerequisites of going on the ride? You had to raise yeah. $5,000. Mm -hmm. I was like, can I actually do that? Uh, can I actually ride because I don't have a bike? It's all quite cycle or fit of any kind. <laughs> um, I've got youth on my side, but that was about all I was running with at the time. And I thought, oh, I'm not sure. And then um, I got home, told my mum about it and said, oh, this sounds great. I might be able to help in another way. I don't think I'll do the ride. And then I got the email that said, um, you know, you've got until 11.59 to sign up tonight. Okay. And at about 11.30 p.m., I just went, uh, sent. <laughs> and then I woke up the next day and was like, hey, mum, so I told you about the ride. Yep, so I'm going to do it. She nice. was like, okay, yeah, that's great. And I thought, I won't take my son with me. I just didn't know how tired we'd be. Yeah, um, sure. The logistical side of it, obviously, he can't ride with us. Who's going to look after him? And, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. all those things. So I just uh, I went with it. So I started the fundraising and um, that was a challenge in itself. Um, I thought that, yeah, you know, I've got a lot of friends on Facebook. I'd just be able to put up on social media and everyone mm -hmm. would just go, boom. And yeah. it wasn't quite like that. <laughs> um, I think when you've got, um, a, you know, such a big target like 5,000, um, you know, if you've 
if you've only got $50 to spare or something, you might be thinking, how can my, um, how can my $50 really help? Yeah. Um, and so I thought, okay, I need to do some fundraising. I need to get the word out. I need to talk about Hands Across the Water. So, mm. In um, fact, talking... on that point, just quickly as well, can you just go into a bit of detail for people who aren't familiar with who Hands Across the Water are oh, yeah, and what they do? Yeah, like well, what exactly is yeah. the work that they do and what's their background? So Hands Across the Water started um, after the 2004 Boxing Day tsunami. So the um, founder of Hands, Peter Baines, he was actually the lead um, forensic investigator. So his job... He has a very unfortunate job of actually having to identify all the bodies. So mm -hmm. by the time he got to Thailand, um, he there was 4,000 bodies laid out on this concrete. And I think to this day there's something like 400 that have never been able to be identified because they were just in such a poor way, which yeah. is just awful, awful. And um, after the first, I think he was there three times or something like that, and then he kept seeing this lady um, under a, like a makeshift tent with um, some children, mm -hmm. and he could see that the community, the Thai community, were helping them out with you know things like food and stuff like that. And um, I think he went over there and just said, you know, surely these can't all be your children. Mm. And she said, well, they are now because they've lost their families. Wow. And something just didn't sit right. And he was quoted saying, you know, we can't change what happened, but we can change what happens next. So yeah. he came home um, back to Australia, I believe he's from Sydney. And over a phone call, he started um, Hands Across the Water. So within 12 months, they had built the first orphanage, um, which is in Kalak, which is about an hour north of Phuket. And mm -hmm. it was actually the worst affected area. So they opened the first orphanage called Bantham Nem Chai. And those same 12 children plus um, Kun Rajana, who was the lady that he had originally met, they moved in plus at the, I think there was actually 32 children at that stage um, were ready to move in. That then, you know, more wow. children kind of come to surface of they didn't had lost their families or um, maybe they'd lost, their families had lost businesses and they couldn't afford to even look after the children, which is just, yeah, really devastating. So he started that and, yeah, 12 months later they opened their first orphanage, which is really special. So now today that orphanage is home to 116 children or 117 I even think now wow. um, and they've done some really so something again that really resonated with me with hands across the water is um, you hear a lot about organizations and charities where you know in this small percentage of the money raised actually goes to the cause and the rest sure. is administration and marketing and all that sort of stuff which you know that's how they run their business it's a business model but um, with hands across the water what I really really loved is that a hundred percent of all the money that us, the riders raise goes to the cause so peter doesn't draw a wage from that you know their uh, marketing and sales team and all that sort of thing doesn't draw a great wage from that they actually have set up a separate business um where they um have they sell merchandise so and they sell craft and art that the older children have made so they might be sewing um i think they sew like bags and clothes and wine coolers and things like that that they sell online at their shop and there's actually a, a shop attached to the orphanage as well so the money raised from that is how they pay for the marketing i believe and then peter i believe earns his money from going around and speaking to corporate so that's i think how right. he and so he doesn't draw away from this, which was it's like, wow, that is a really rare thing to find. Mm. Um, somebody that is, say they're non-for-profit and actually is non-for-profit. <laughs> yeah. um, so that was, that for me really stuck. And that was um, even just chatting to people about that fact alone. Yeah. Um, it's really important. And I think another, um, another story, so now they, 
support, I think it's about seven projects throughout Thailand. So yeah. there's been a number of other things now that they've been running for such a long time. There's been another of other projects that they've picked up along the way. So um, they've got several safe homes and orphanages around Thailand now. Mm. Um, it is an Australian-based charity that just supports over there sure. um, in Thailand. So they've got um, a few safe houses for, uh, sorry, orphanages and homes for children that are HIV positive. Okay. Um, which is really cool. So there's actually, um, yeah, there's a story that. Oh, actually, I'll come. I'll come back to that later. Because that's <laughs> why I keep writing. That's that story. I'll come. Yeah. Back to that. Well, look. But, if I can ask you then, even at this point, right? Because there's still there's there's a lot of causes around. There's a lot of a lot of really worthy causes and things that are completely again worthy for our time and for our money. And you mentioned that this one in particular was something that resonated with you. So yeah. can we look at that little moment for a second and can you remember what it was in particular about Hands Across the Water that resonated with you and made you decide to take the step of not only potentially giving money to something but even yeah. you know putting your body on the line as well really, right? <laughs> yeah, so for me, I think the Boxing Day Tsunami, It's, I think it's one of those events where you remember where you were when you heard about it. Sure. So for me, I remember I was in the car boxing day. My mum and I had gone to the shops. We'd gone to get the local paper. And it was like, you know, the first how many pages of the Herald Sun, mm -hmm. uh, which is a paper here in Melbourne, that, um, you know, images of the destruction that the tsunami had caused. And, you know, I remember there's this one picture of this woman just like on the ground, just holding, I think, I don't know, clothes. I don't know whether it was a children's, whatever it was, but holding something just on the ground crying. And that, that image stuck with me. And I think there's a few of those moments that, you know, we can all remember where there's been a significant world news and you just remember where you were. Mm. Um, and, and that was always something for me. And you can just almost put yourself in their shoes of, wow, could you imagine if that happened here? And then, of course, how lucky we are that I'm in a place here in Melbourne where that's so never going to happen here. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you can just almost put yourself in their shoes and go, wow, what that must be like. That is just horrendous. Um, so for me, that when I heard that that's what started the charity and that's what it was based on, that I just went straight back to that moment and went, yeah, you know what? Mm. I was too young when that happened to, you know, do something now, but I, then, but I can do something now. Um, and again, just with that, the fact that there's these children that, you know, I think being a mother as well myself, and also being a single mom, I always wonder that if something happened to me. I mean, he's great relationship with his dad, my son, and, and you know, but I am his rock. But his dad is amazing. But I always wonder, like, be, being a single mom, if something happened to me. Yeah, my son would just be so lost. Yeah. Um, you know, would he live with my mom? Would he live with his dad? And if he was to live with his dad, that would totally uproot. You know, it would be great for him, but you know, it would just be such a huge change. And I just think that when I watched that video, it was like, how would my son? And I don't even want to think about it because yeah. I just, you know, that's for me. I think why I was so drawn to it because it was just like, wow, this is this is a really powerful charity. And you know, those they say that, you know, the first seven years shapes a child to be who they are going to be for the rest of their life. And some of these children, this something so horrific has happened at such a young age. You know, how is it going to impact them? And if we can help them in any way to yeah. uh, come through this or even its basic needs, it's food, it's shelter, it's somewhere to stay, it's the right to go to school. It's the basic needs like that, that every child should have the right to that these children now wouldn't have otherwise without the charities like Hands Across the Water. So I think for me, that's why I was like, yeah, I have to do this. Okay.
All right. So then, yeah, let's fast forward then to that point. Like you mentioned, you've signed up mm. now. You've yeah. signed up, first ride <laughs> thing going on. Like, where, where's your head at? What are you thinking? What are you going through? <laughs> um, my head is going, what have you done? <laughs> you can't ride a bike. You don't even have a bike. <laughs> so the first point of call was like, okay, I'm going to have a, I'm going to get a bike. Right. Um, I think before I got a bike, I went to a, like a spin class at the local gym. <laughs> And I just—it's basically I the same thing, right? Like it's basically the same thing. I'm not sure about that. I just remember thinking the whole time, <laughs> "What have I done? This is awful." Um, I was like, "Okay, I, I'm struggling to get through 45 minutes of this, and I've got, and I've probably done—I don't know, what's that? 20 k's, and I'm going to be doing 100 kilometers an hour, and um, and in the spin classroom." You have aircon and fans, which we won't yes. be able to have access to in Thailand. So I just remember thinking that whole time, what have I done? Um, but you know, the more I, um, the more I started to fundraise and talk about it. So actually, the first year my fundraising um, event was a 24-hour treadmill challenge. So okay. I had organised with my local gym, and um, I was on the treadmill for 24 hours, and then people could walk next to me for $30 for 30 minutes. Okay. And I just to just chuck myself in these situations that I'm so not prepared for. It's a great mental challenge. And um, yeah, that was interesting. And it was great because it, it knew, I knew then that I had the mental strength and I think mm. uh, to complete something that you want to quit in the moment, but sure. you feel so good about it when you finish it and you've completed it. So I knew then if I can do this, you know, I can do anything. Uh, yeah. It's kind of that mentality, isn't it? That you just... You just, you know, okay, so for instance, that 24-hour treadmill challenge, it's one day. There's 365 of them. So don't walk for 24 hours for the rest of the year. Great. You know, yeah, it's just one right. day out of my life. And I've kind of mm. put, I use that mentality in the bike ride as well. There's 365 days. Great. So for five days a year, I will ride. And mm. that's, I have, you know, and for 360 days, I don't have to because I don't like cycling. <laughs> but, <laughs> But that's the like it's only five days, and if I yeah. can't do something for something else for five days a year, then what am I doing? <laughs> Have um, you found that that mindset then has has had benefits in other parts of your life as well? Like you've applied oh, that in other areas now? Absolutely. I mean, it's one of those things where there are so many tasks that, and it's, I don't want to come across as if like I don't like the ride because I love the ride. I wouldn't do the ride if I didn't love it. It's the suckling part of it I don't love. <laughs> but um, but you know it's. Yeah, absolutely. There are so many things that come up in your life that you're like, oh, I don't really want to do this. It might be a meeting. It might be um, getting up early. You might have it like a five o'clock start or something. But yeah. do you have to five o'clock start every day? Mm. No. So you just have it. You do it one day and you might be tired, but it's only one day. If you have a five o'clock start every day and you hate it, well, do something about that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, change that. But if it's a once off, you can just kind of... You just do it. I think, and I think I don't know whether that kind of mindset comes from being that single mum, where mm. you just have to do stuff, and sometimes you don't want to do it, and you're the only one that can. So just do it. <laughs> you know. So if you're sick and you have to look after something, you just have to do it. So yeah. um, I think that's it. Yeah, that's the kind of mindset that I go into me with the the charity walk, uh, the sorry, the treadmill challenge, and then um, with the ride as well. That you just you just do it, and yeah. Yeah. and it's doing something that's beyond you. Um, I think there is, for me, I'm just now addicted to that feeling. There is no, there's nothing greater than being able to help somebody that can't repay you. I just, I've never found a feeling that tops that. Mm, and for me, that. yeah, I think, uh, I don't know. I think, you know, if you were to, I don't know, you see someone in front of you that 
um, their cards declined when they're paying for petrol or something. And it's just, okay, great. Oh, I've got, you know, an extra $50 here. Take that. And that person, you might, you don't know if you've changed their life in such a way. You don't know if they were going home and they've been depressed or, you know, you don't know the small gesture that you've just had and how much of an impact that can have on somebody's life. And I think with the ride as well, it's just one of those things where like you don't, what's the big deal to ride five days and raise $5,000 when you have changed their lives in such mm-hmm. a way that you'll never really be able to express just how much. So they've put, I think, 46 children through university through the wow. money that the um, rides have um, raised over the years. So this is an opportunity for the children that they would never, ever have had without something like this. Mm-hmm. So a great example of that is um, Game is a boy that he was 12 years old at the time of the tsunami and he was one of the originals obviously um and he was one of the original 12 that was under the tent and so he's now grown up i think he's similar to my age i think he's 26 or 27 Mm -hmm. he um, went through law school um in bangkok because of again the money raised um and i'm pretty sure he was offered a partnership in the law firm which he actually turned down and went back to university and now studies psychology. And he's now the 2IC at the um, wow. orphanage at Bantham Nam Tribe because he wanted to study psychology so he could help his brothers and sisters that come through with the emotional you know, distresses and issues that they're going to have, obviously, from where they've come from. So it's things like that you think, because we helped him initially, now he's in turn helping others. Mm. So... Not only when you help somebody, it's a great feeling, don't get me wrong, but you're helping somebody and you're changing their lives, but you actually don't realise the ripple effect that it has on, you know, everybody else because that person will then go, you know what, because I was showed kindness that one time and it changed my life, how can I replicate that? How can I pay that forward, you know? There's that great movie about it, that pay it forward, but I think that's, it's just a natural process of what happens, isn't it? You help somebody and they then because I was showed kindness, I'm going to do that again and replicate that. And I just think you just have no idea how big a small, you know, seemingly small gesture can yeah, actually yeah. spread. So I think that's that's another huge part of it as well. Like what are these kids going to grow up and do with their lives and the amazing things that they can now be because of the opportunities that you know have been given because of the – it's just – it's phenomenal. And I, like, I get so teary every time I think of it because it's just – I'm so passionate about this. Not sure if that's coming through. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Is this? I could. Li- I, I mean, I don't know how much time you've got, but I could talk about this for hours because it's just—it's such an important topic. And I, you know, you can, you, you see people yourself that they might be unhappy, and um, you know, to give that advice, of, why don't you help somebody? Well, that how will that help me? Just give it, try it. Yeah, you, yeah. You no, know, and I didn't sign up to give myself a good feeling. Mm. That was a complete byproduct that you know, it's like an added bonus, but I'm addicted to that now. Like I just can't not do it. And it makes me happy knowing that I've just helped, you know, in, in the happiness of others. And I don't think you can beat that. <laughs> I'll tell you what I love about that actually. Cause I, I you know, even in, in my work outside of, you know, podcasting with people, I do yeah. uh, a lot of work around like training and recruitment and things like that. And so I've thought a lot lately about, um, just what people are looking for when they're getting into careers and what they're looking to do with their lives, right? Because it's a question you get asked from like five years old. What do you want to be when you grow up? Yeah. And what I love about what you've said there and even the story that you shared about the um, the Thai uh, boy who now is a you know, lawyer and uh, you know, running, the, running yeah. the place is that I guess what I've been looking at is thinking, you know, we ask ourselves a lot about what are we going to do with our lives from a point of view of what am I going to get out of it? What's it going to give me? 
Is it going to give me the lifestyle that I want and the income that I want and blah, blah, blah. And, and you can do that, like people do. Yeah. But, but what I'm hearing and what I've been thinking about too is that really if you're asking yourself instead, what can I contribute? You can yeah. still have, I mean, you know, that, that story you gave as well. You can still have an incredible career. You can still be a lawyer and a psychologist and all this kind of stuff and do amazing things. But the kind of impact and the kind of life that you're going to lead when your primary focus is how do I contribute as opposed yeah. to how do I get what I want is so vastly different. And what, like yeah. you mentioned, once you've experienced it, you can't go back. Yeah, you can't. It's, it's, I think it's a, it's a big mind shift change because I think it's, it's really easy. And I think maybe we're conditioned as we grow up to kind of, what can I get? What can I get? What can I get? And then when yeah. you switch that to what can I give, mm. it suddenly changes everything. It's, you know, it, it just, it changed that whole, and you do, you do get something back in return. You get happiness. And for mm. me, I, you know, I just think that, yeah, if more people just give you, you can't help but not feel happy by doing something for somebody else. Yeah. I can't think of a situation where you would give and give a, whether it's a listening ear, whether it's you know, a, the last ten dollars you have or whatever it is. And then, you know, there's been times where I have you know, donate the last $10 in my bank account and then go, hmm, what am I going to do for the next couple of days? <laughs> I'm not sure. But, you know, I will earn more money. That yeah. person may not have the capacity to earn more money. And it's just like, you, you yeah, like I said, you made it, You don't know the impact that you're going to have and, and you don't need to know. You just need to know that you've you've done the right thing and you've, you've helped somebody, you've changed their day and potentially, you know, the weeks or months or even their whole life, you don't know. And um, you start to find as well too that when you do live that way, you start to notice that actually things do kind of come back into your life anyway? Well, absolutely. I mean, it just, it, it can't, I don't think it, it can't not. Um, <laughs> you know, you're just living, I think... Probably the most important part for me, the thing that comes back, and it's not, I guess, not coming back directly to me, but mm. it does help. So what I'm trying to say is, like, I think it's the idea of inspiring others to do that as well. Yeah. Um, whether it's I've had people, you know, I don't want this to come across as here I am tooting my own horn or something like that, but um, I've had people come across it and said, you know, uh, you know, they're inspired by me and because I, they've seen me the video of the ride or, you know, as a mother or whatever it is, I've done this because I saw you do that. Mm. And for me, it was like, it, that's really powerful. Like you've just changed somebody else's mindset because of the way you just live your life. And that to me is like, I, I think I just cry every time I get those messages <laughs> because it's, wow, like you don't, you're not doing these things for applause or anything like that. And there's a lot of stuff that I do kind of behind the scenes that I don't post about or, you know, something like that or don't share, but you're not doing these things for applause. But you, if I can help inspire somebody else to live their life in such a way that their mindset is, you know, what can I give? Then mm. that's, that's going to better their lives and whoever else they're helping as well. So and that for me, like with hands across the water, um, that's that's why I can't. I get so excited every ride when I see new riders, yeah. because at this stage they're nervous and they're you know not sure and you know you don't. It's just that, that first day, the, the nerves, the jitters, the why am I doing this? <laughs> and you just and I just I get so excited because I think just wait until I see you on day five and it all sinks in, yeah. and your life will be changed. Mm. And you know, and your mindset will be. I mean, the mindset's obviously already there. To it's a big deal to commit to the ride and to commit to raising the money and all those sorts of things. But to that day five, 
everyone, I think something in you just switches and changes. And that's really exciting as a past rider to see that yeah. happen in new riders. So I get really excited about seeing that. Can we can uh, we skip forward to that that part then? Because I know we talked about kind of the start of the ride, and you know, yeah. I mean, I remember that as well. You know, you're kind of there on the first day, and you're like, I've, you know, what have what have I done? What are we doing? <laughs> I'm not a cyclist. I'm not a cyclist. <laughs> but you know, you go through it, and you know, you do get stronger as you go along, and and like you mentioned, you know, you you get a great experience of of Thailand. But it is this this ride itself is all building towards on the fifth day, you finally ride into the orphanage. Oh. And tell me, yeah. tell me about that experience for you, particularly that first that part. I almost want to tell about my experience observing you on that day because you were this emotional <laughs> roller coaster. I was like, what? Like, I felt like maybe I'm dead inside. Like, I was looking yeah, at this why, thing going like, why I, I think, crying as much as this girl? I think this is a big moment, but wow. Like, you know, you were, you were incredibly moved by it and obviously enough to keep yeah. going back. So tell me about that last day. What did it mean to you and your experience yeah. of it? So the emotions on that first day is not an isolated incident. I'm like that every ride. <laughs> um, so that last day for me, um, I think you're in the mindset when you go into the ride of like, oh, you know, one day down, oh, two days down, oh, halfway, thank God, oh, you know, sure. only one, and then only one day to go. And then on the last day, you kind of go, oh, it's the last day. We've been wishing it away all this time because it's mm. been so hard. Mm-hmm. And on the last day, there's kind of this sense of like, oh, I, I don't get to have breakfast with everybody tomorrow. And, I, you know, I don't get to high five everyone as I ride in. And I always say that, you know, when you when you start the ride, you kind of start off as strangers, you ride as friends and you leave as family. Wow. Um, and that last day, because during the ride to make it, you know, you're sharing stories with each other, you're encouraging each other, you're laughing with each other, crying with each other, hanging, you know, hanging on each other and and pushing each other up the hills and you hear about um, their life stories, you hear about their, um, you know, the personal, um, you know, grievances that they've had in their lives and things they've had to overcome. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe even on the ride, there's been, and I know that every ride, there's a number of people that go, I can't do this, I actually can't do this whether it's you know they didn't train hard enough or they've got an injury on the ride or whatever it is or just that mindset they just go I just can't do it and then on that last day you just get this I I just get and I'm sure there's other people like you just get this really strong overwhelming sensation of like oh my gosh this has just really hit me like I've seen everybody who's wanted to quit but have stuck it out and they didn't quit and they've pushed themselves beyond what they actually thought they could do so the amount of growth that goes on in that group for on a personal level is enormous Mm. and then on top of that you've got you just realize okay i've raised five thousand dollars which is a you know significant amount of money but as a group we've raised four hundred thousand like that's six million thai baht that is enormous and you just get to this realization of like wow like as a group, one per you know, they say, you know, one person can't make a change, but you can because one person and 50 of you riding together. Now look at the change that we've made. Yeah. And now look at the impact that we've had on these. Like, it's just, and we've never met these kids. On, at the first ride, we hadn't even met these kids mm, yet. Yeah. So what, why help these kids you've never met? Because you just, why not? Why, why wouldn't you? If you've got the means, you know, and we can cycle. We've got two legs, and you know, we can we can cycle, and we can yeah. talk to our contacts yeah. now, um, clients, and the corporates, and our friends and family to you know, if everyone puts in twenty bucks, we can we can raise this five thousand. So we can do that. They can't where they are. So why wouldn't we do that? Because we have the means to do it, and they can't. So that last day, I just I do spend all day crying and riding, 
And then um, the, can the confirm, water... by the way, in case you're wondering, that's not that's not an exaggeration. <laughs> that is actually what that day is. Yeah. So I think um, that last day, and then the water stop before um, we ride into the orphanage. So each leg of the ride is, you know, we we ride about 25, 30 kilometers, and we stop for water. And then mm. that last bit, we stop at a temple. And the temple never used to be a temple years and years ago. It just used to be big concrete space. But that concrete space was where those 4,000 bodies was laid out um, to be identified by Peter Baines, the founder of Hans. So they've now turned that into a um, temple. So we actually all gather there. And usually when you ride into the water stops, it's high fives. Yeah, well done. That's great. Well, you know, you did it. When you ride into that water stop, it's almost quiet and there's yeah. this eerie sense of, wow, where I'm standing right now, this is why we ride. You know, if there weren't these 4,000 bodies like here, we wouldn't be riding today. Mm. So this is a really powerful, powerful stop. And that's, I mean, I've cried up until that point, but I cry a lot more <laughs> here. And instead of the clapping and cheering that you usually get, it's just this, everyone's just hugging and there's that sense of like, what? A, wow, we've just done this. Like, as a group, as a collective, we've just done this. And then we all ride in together the last three kilometres at a really slow pace. Yeah. And um, and you for the first ride, you don't know how, you know, we can kindly, kind of, you know, roughly gauge how far three kilometres is when we're going fast. But that last three kilometres seems really slow because we're riding really slow. You don't know, is this next turn where we're going to see? You don't know what to expect. You know, the kid's going to, where is it? Where, where is it going to be the next street? We're turning <laughs> off. You don't know where you're going. And when you ride it, and I did, I, and I'm not just doing a quiet sob either, was I? <laughs> <laughs> no. No. Nikki at the front having a teary, uh, having a big cry. And when you ride into that orphanage for the that first time, yeah. and you've got all the way down that street, you've got that, I'm going to cry now, you've got those 116 kids out the front, and they're clapping and cheering, and you've got the music. And their smiles are the biggest smiles I've ever seen in my life. And you just, and you put that bike stand down for the last time. <laughs> and you probably don't look at another bike for a good six months, but you put that bike stand down, you're relieved. You're so proud of yourself. You're so proud of everybody in that whole team. And then you look back at these kids and they're, they're wanting to help you. They're running over to you. They're taking off your helmet. They're wiping you down with a, like a cold face wash, giving you water. <laughs> That's right. I forgot about and that. And I'm like, wait, we're here to help you, stop, yeah. you know, and it's just like they've already in that mindset. The ties are already in that mindset of what can I give, mm. and we're just reinforcing that, that we've got your back, and, and the world's not such a cruel place that you've known it to be, and I think I looked around that day, and I, there was a fully grown man in his 40s on his hands and knees crying at that point, and I just thought, I'm now not alone. And yeah. this feeling like this is a group feeling and I just don't think there's a dry eye in the house. And when you look back at these kids and they've been through so much in their little lives, but they, they're happy and they're mm. loved and they're safe. And I don't think there's anything more important than that than a child that has the basic right to be loved and to feel safe. And that's what hands is to me. It's wow. just that day, I just, second to having my, you know, the day my son was born, that is the greatest day of my life, that day I did that ride. Um, and I just, I was just like, I, I need to do this again and again and again. I just, <laughs> how can I not? That was just those kids. They were the sweetest. Oh, I just, I can't. I, <laughs> that day was just 
that goes down, yeah, in my books as the second greatest, next to having my son, that, that was the second greatest day of my life. Wow. And every single ride since, it, that feeling is matched. It's just yeah. because there's different people, different challenges they've overcome to either raise the money or get to the ride or actually do the ride. It's just phenomenal. And I just, I'll just sign those dates off in my calendar every year. <laughs> I just can't not do it. Um, Another story of why I keep going back, and this is a really powerful story that I, I used in my fundraising as well because I think it's really important. So mm-hmm. there was a um, an orphanage up in northern Thailand in Chiang Mai called Home Hug, and that's what I was saying right at the start of the podcast, that it's a, a, a home just for children that are HIV positive. Mm. Um, and this was an already established organi- like um, home before Hans found them. And so... Uh, before Hands Across the Water found them, they were very poorly funded. Um, they could afford food or medication, but not both. Mm. Um, and so naturally they bought food so the children didn't starve. And on average, two children a week died from AIDS. And May through, the lady who runs that orphanage, she's buried like over 1,200 children in her time. That, I mean... <sighs> As the mother, you know, she becomes that mother of that home. She's buried 1,200 of her children. Like that's, <laughs> I just don't even want to imagine ever having, you know, to bury your own, like let alone 1,200, you know. Yeah. Um, and since Hands Across the Water found out about them in 2007, so nine years ago, not a single child has died since from two a week to not once at all. So that story for me, I was like, that's the impact we do by riding just five days a year. That's it. It's five days. And yep. if I can ride for five days, regardless of how much I hate cycling, <laughs> and I, you know, and that prevents, or if you add up two children a week over nine years, how many children has been saved? Yeah. Um, and if by me riding five days a year does that, I'll, I'll, I'll cycle for 10, 20, 30, doesn't matter. Mm. You know, that, that's, that's the mentality of it, isn't it? That's just, the impact is just, it's, you can't even put, you can't put words. I can't put words to it. I've just spoken for an hour for it, but I can't put words. <laughs> no, yeah. I, I mean, I was thinking the whole time you were saying that. I think I don't think there's anything to add to that. I think that yeah. that that observation and it, it does it does speak for itself. Yeah, um, it's really powerful. Yeah. And um, so the second year, I was able. I actually brought my son with me. Um, I was going to ask about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I brought him with me because the first year I didn't know, you know, was I not going to see him for five days and then be so tired I wanted to sleep for three and then, you know, great family holiday. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, so, yeah. So the second year, um, yeah, we, we um, I took him with me and um, brought over and um, I mentioned before I ran a nanny agency, so I brought over one of my nannies and she looked after him while I rode mm-hmm. and then um, she flew home obviously when I finished. But um, we actually organised to live at the orphanage for a couple of weeks after the ride. Wow. Um, yeah, which was really cool. I just wanted to see behind the scenes and get to know the kids a bit better, kind of, mm-hmm. you know, um, build that emotional connection. Because we ride for the kids and then we, you know, only kind of seeing them for a day or two and then we're gone. So I was like, yeah, right. I want to get to know these kids and their stories. Um, and, and one of the, so Rajana, who um, runs the orphanage, um, she was very sick at the time. She's actually, unfortunately, um, she passed away from brain cancer on um, Christmas Eve just oh, last no. year. 
Okay. So really, really tragic. But she's the the original one that was running the orphanage. But um, so there was a they knew that she was sick, and there was a, a two IC um next to Gain who mm. spoke good English. So I was able during the day, Christian, my son, he we'd get there in the morning. He'd just be like, "Yep, see you, mom." And you know, the kids don't speak English, and he doesn't speak Thai. But the friendships that he formed there were amazing. Um, I've got this great video actually of um, there's an esky full of ice, and like he'd pick up an ice cube and. One, the Thai boy, uh, Tonam, his name was, would throw up the ice, try and catch it in his mouth, and then my son would throw up the piece of ice, try and catch it in the mouth. They'd say something in English, say something in Thai, both have a laugh, both go around and get another piece of ice and come back. And I was like, you don't, you know, you don't need to speak their language to to form these bonds with them. And um, it gave me a chance to kind of sit down with um, a couple of the ladies that spoke quite good English that work there, and um, and get to know some of the kids' stories and, you know. Um, we actually ended up sponsoring a child there what, during our stay, and so we mm-hmm. now support him every month as well. Um, his name's Ochi, and um, but and he's you know a couple of years younger than my son, and it, it was really cool for for my son as well to have that emotional connection to the charity because he's a, like a huge help in all the fundraising and stuff that I do as well. Mm-hmm. But you know you, you see a lot of these kids with like little white circle scars. Mm-hmm. And I'd said to the lady, you know, what what is what are these? Is it like a disease or something that they had? And she said, no, it's from cigarette burns from the parents. Oh. Like so, the places that they had come from before they'd come here, and just things like that. You think, wow, this is so a whole nother world to what we have back at home. You know, yeah. You just you wouldn't get. I mean, it would be quite rare to find that here, but it was rare to find a child over there that kind of didn't have those. And um, yeah, things like that. You just you just think. Uh, yeah, I, I think as well, like another element, like I had my son quite young, I was pregnant at 17, mm-hmm. and we're really lucky to live in a country where um, we're not, you know, shunned out by the family sure. um, when that happens so young, and we've got really ac- good access to, um, you know, free medical care and things like that, sure. and government support, which, you know, if I was to have my son in a, in a place like Thailand, Oh, it would sure. have been a very different story for me. Yeah. Um, and I probably would have relied on something like um, that orphanage and, and charities like Hands Across the Water to, to raise my son. Mm. So it's interesting that, you know, it's, it's that matter of where, where you're born. And you can't help that. No, um, I, it's actually born. something that, that I've, you know, in terms of just gratitude as a, uh, as a lifestyle, as a, as a mindset, I don't know. Mm. Um, that it, it's moments like that that I think are the most impactful for me. When yeah. you just consider, you know, and look, we have a culture where fortunately, you know, if you do, you know, you go to school, you apply yourself, you, you know, you work hard, you'll, you know, you can generally improve your lot in life, you know, generally yeah. kind of speaking. But you think, yeah, what if I was born a, you know, a Thai child in 2004? Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I can, I can talk myself up all I like and say, oh, no, no, I am, I am where I am today because of all these things that I might have done or whatever. But then you see in that moment and you go, well, you know what? You you, you have to be grateful for where you're yeah. at. You yeah, suddenly absolutely. get a... I, one of my favorite um, definitions of gratitude that I, I heard recently was a guy who described um, gratitude is a sense of reverence for things that have been received. And yeah. I thought that was really yeah, nice, that's... you know, like just things that I haven't earned, but look, I've got that. And it just changes your outlook, like you say, yeah. and then suddenly makes you see what you do have and what you can yeah. start contributing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, it comes a lot down to your environment and things like that. And some things you can help and some things you can't. Like you said, you can do well at school. You can choose to do well or not. Yeah, sure. um, you know, obviously, if you, 
struggle to learn. But again, you can choose to get a tutor and, and you know, and right. improve. And but to a degree, you can't help these outside. Yeah. Um, influencing factors as well yeah. um, and and for, like the Thai children they can work really hard at school and make a difference for themselves but what if they can't get to school what if their family can't afford <laughs> yeah. school then yeah. what do they do then you know so it's just we're so lucky really to have what we have and you don't need to have a lot to be lucky and to be grateful for that it yeah. was, you know to feel lucky sorry it's probably the better term to yeah. feel lucky and to and to be grateful for that what's and, um, um, Sorry, Karen. No, you're not. No, no, sorry. I was just going to say, too, because I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated to know, too, you mentioned, you know, with your, your son's experience there as well. So what what effect has that, that had on him in terms of seeing that environment and, and now how he engages with the world around him? Has, has it had an effect? I'm assuming it has, but what's yeah. been his response to that? Massive. So my son, it was uh, he was in prep at the time. And he really struggled. Oh, sorry, he was in start of grade one. Sorry, so but at the end of prep, he really struggled with his confidence in a, in a huge way. Um, he just he didn't have the confidence to accept play dates or to even talk to people that were talking to him. If you knew him quite well, he was you know really out there and it was the real boy, like the real Christian. But um, yeah, he, he really struggled with his confidence, and so this. The, being at the orphanage, I thought, well, this will put him out of his com- comfort zone, but in a supportive way. So he was like getting really nervous before we went, like, you know, how will I communicate with them? And yeah. I said, oh, well, instead of, you know, going up to someone like you would at school and saying, hey, would you like to come and kick a ball with me? You just like say to the Thai kids, you know, kick ball, kick ball and do the motions. And he goes, oh, I can't do that. That's embarrassing. And he was really like, oh, I can't, I can't, I can't. Yeah. I was like, okay, well, that's fine. I'll communicate with them for you. And, you know, and I, let's see how you go. You might just pick it up. And it was only a matter of minutes before he just, you know, he was running off and playing and it just... All of a sudden, he kind of, he was, yeah, bit by bit was learning this confidence, which he just didn't have before. And that was massive for him because we struggled, like, you know, I won't go into that as a whole other podcast, but like, he struggled <laughs> quite, quite, um, really badly. And, you know, to the point where we're having to, you know, see psychologists and things like that. And when we came sure. home from that trip, he was a, different boy we actually were calling him christian 2.0 same christian just with added confidence because he right, just was this right. ball of like he's so out there now and he's like you know he's the first to say hi how are you going instead of someone saying hello and he would just like oh shy away and not want to talk so that you know the person he's become is just oh, i'm just so proud of him he's just absolutely incredible and and it's i don't think it's you know solely that trip but that trip certainly helped in a big big way and, you know, he came back and his dad and my family were just like, wow, like, who is this boy? <laughs> um, he was just so out there and outgoing. So I think, you know, exposing him to something like that, you know, we may not have a lot, but what we do have, we're, we're really grateful for. And it was, you know, he was like, oh, what games do they play on their iPads? I was like, oh, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're going to strip it right back, don't we? <laughs> you know, so I think some of these little things that you don't even realize you take for granted that you do. And, and it's not through fault of us or them or anything like that. But that's just how we're conditioned. Everyone has iPads. Why wouldn't you have one? Yeah, you know, and so suddenly it's like, oh, what do you mean these kids don't have it? Well, how do they, you know, do mathletics? How do they play Minecraft? <laughs> but, they don't. but, you know, look at them. They're like, And, you know, they're just digging holes and making teepees and riding laps of their bikes and playing playing games and, and actually just playing. Mm. And um, And that was just 
yeah, that was inc- a really incredible experience. And now for him to be able to connect on more an emotional level of why mum rides and why I do this mm. um, was really cool. And, you know, the next year I brought him back again for my third ride and he was like, oh, what if they don't remember me? And and, and it's funny because the, the name Christian isn't um, a Thai name at all. They don't, they, you know, were a bit confused by the name. Okay. Um, and so they were calling him chicken, chicken. <laughs> and so when we came back for our third ride, all the kids were like, chicken, chicken, chicken. And I was so excited to see him again. They'd re- they must see so many people because hands across the water through a number of rides a year. Sure. So they would, have, they would see so many people. But 12 months later, they remembered him. Yeah. And, you know, were calling out chicken, chicken. And, um, yeah, so he was like so happy about that and it just you know he's now got that emotional connection with the kids and so he's always like mum what can we do like what can how can we raise more money like do you want me to sell more Cadbury's chocolates or are we gonna do this are we gonna do that like how can we raise more money and it's just like that's a really cool thing for now well he's now eight eight year old to be um sitting there and thinking about because it's like okay finally i feel like this hard work (laughs) i'm molding you to be a very good human (laughs) Um, but you know, it's, he, he, he gets the choice if he wants to be part of it or not, you know, that's totally up to him. If he doesn't want to raise money, he doesn't have to, but he wants to, which is a really, really cool thing, I think. And I'm just really proud of him for that fact. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And so now you're, yeah, lining up to, you know, did that ride, then you had, did a second one, then a third one, and now the fourth one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you okay? You need a moment? <laughs> it's just, you just, I don't know. I can't. I really can't put into words until you've done the ride yourself as you have. It's hard to really explain the full impact and and explain the ride, isn't it? Like it's just yeah. it's something you have to just experience. And, um, you know, Hands Across the Water run a number of public rides as well. So if mm-hmm. anyone listening is interested in getting involved, you can um, head to – um, Google hands across the water. I probably should have looked up the website before we had this chat. That's right. I'll put a, I'll put a link on the um, on this episode yeah. as well, so there'll be yeah people will yeah, be able to link through for that as well. And um, I'll get your uh, your link as well for your writing page too. So if people want to donate to you, they cool. can do that yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that'll be awesome. Yeah. I think I've only got about um, just over a thousand to go, so that'll be awesome. So we've got sure. forty nine days until I'm back on that bike seat. Oh look, ten, tens of people will listen to this. Tens of people. So <laughs> you know, and all three of you when you sign up. <laughs> So, no, um, yeah, I actually haven't been on the bike since Thailand last year in March. Wow. So. Rock and roll. Yeah. <laughs> I nearly did yesterday. Okay. To, you know, but I my tires were flat. So I was like, ah, worry about uh, that. It's a year. sign I'm not supposed to do it, yeah. <laughs> The, yeah, the universe is speaking to me. <laughs> actually, you reminded me of something too. Um, I actually don't think I've told um, many people this at all. So, you know, you talked about the significance of the ride and, and how yep. important those kind of things are. So I think it's probably fair for people to know f- from my side of things as well. Like, So when I, I completed the ride that first time, there is something incredibly powerful about when you give not just money, because in the Western world, we can kind of do that a little more easily than others, yeah. but but to give time and, and to see that. And it was my first experience of really seeing third world poverty as yeah. well. Like the, the image that actually sticks with me the most clearly is when we were actually in Bangkok before we started the ride. And they've got um, in the middle of the city, I mean, it's it's crazy. Like if you haven't seen Bangkok before, it's 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 almost <laughs> like a parody of a city. You're like, Who, what? Like, it doesn't make any sense. It's, anyway. But they, they just get it, don't they? Yeah. And so we were walking along and there's all these um, stairwells that go up from the city to the um, sky trains. It's basically their urban kind of, this this subway, but it's above ground in the middle of town. 
and there was a um a mat next to one of the SkyTrain stairwells and there was a little girl sleeping it would have been like about 10 30 11 o'clock at night mm. and there was a little girl sleeping on this mat it wasn't even a like a, a mattress it was like a yeah, literally just a mat no padding to it and there was a puppy sleeping next to her and a empty like wendy's takeaway cup just for people yeah. to put money into and i'd never seen that kind of thing before and so that kind of shook my consciousness a lot about what that looked like but the thing that i found that was the most striking and and after that ride to be honest in many ways as i think about it that ride is part of the genesis of this podcast yeah because what I realized was as impactful as that was, you know, you talked about when you see a need that resonates with you and you go, wow, that's something that I connect with. It actually helped me to see that, you know, for the, there's, there's a poverty that they have in Thailand and places like that, which is so, so deep and so entrenched, but it actually helped me to see the state that a lot of people are in, in, in the Western world where we are as well. And in terms of, you know, we think about things like, you know, depression and, and mental illness and, and that kind of stuff yeah. and it actually helped me identify that that was actually where my passion lies yeah cool so by seeing that and going wow this is this is legit and you know definitely looking to contribute to that but suddenly thinking actually it helps me see even more clearly that we've got this i mean i've even called it to some people we've got this poverty of soul in the western yeah. world that we don't often understand like why why are we unhappy because we've got yeah. so much mm. and so that was actually the way that that ride impacted me as well. But it still comes from, you know, stepping out of yourself and, and giving yourself to something and just being yeah. aware of then what moves you. How do you want to respond to that? The feeling yeah. that you get in the middle of that and it just prompts a whole line of change in your life afterwards. How cool is that? And yeah. that, that's such a, you know, like, I, like it's, it's almost like a byproduct of the ride, isn't it? You do the ride because you think it's a great thing to do. Let's help these people. But yeah. it just changes in so many other ways like it, you've now realized that your passion is to help others in this field yeah and to inspire and yeah. so you know would you have found that without the ride i don't know you know mm. or would it have just taken you longer and you still would have ended up on that same path yeah but by starting it earlier are you not able to help and impact more people's so lives with these things so that's a really cool way to look at it and it's just like yeah i think a number of the oh a number of the writers that I know of, there's been some that have gone on to written, write books in, to help more people. Really? There's been some that have gone on to, um, that have done interviews, whether it be radio or things like that, like, mm -hmm. you know, to, to to help more people. And it's just, yeah, that notion of just helping, isn't it? It's like, yeah. what is it that you, yeah, like you said, resonate, what do you resonate with? And then mm. how can you assist in that? Mm. And there is always something. And yeah. you might, it's always something. And you don't need to know what that is right now. It yeah. will come to you, yeah. but I think the ride definitely helped me find that a lot sooner as it, as it did for you as well. Yeah. Well, coming back to what you said at that, the very beginning as well, because I'm wary for anybody listening as well. I know this is kind of built and built and become grander and grander in terms of how this then, you know, builds one step upon another and the impact we can have. But I want everybody listening to remember, you know, this, this started with sitting in a, in a meeting with a group of people, <laughs> hearing one guy talk about this, this cause and playing a video and in this case, you know, for Nikki, seeing this, hearing this and responding and going, wow, like, you know, I don't know. I feel like we, we, we try and make making a difference really difficult. Like, what do I yeah. do? It's so hard. Where do I begin? And yet I feel like life is always presenting us with this kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah. And it's just about being, you know, for you. And this is where, you know, look, I think a lot of us, I mean, I know I've got something to learn from you on this as well in terms of how just <laughs> you were prepared to feel it. Like, I'm not, I'm, I'm not yeah. kidding. Like, 
it's very easy to be very intellectual about all this kind of stuff. But yeah. there's such truth in going, wow, this is really moving me. And if it's moving me, then that means it's significant. That there's something to this and I got to do something about it. Yeah. And then because yeah. of that, you know, it builds. And now, you know, like I say, you're, you're looking at, you know, if you think about it, you know, raising effectively 20 grand over the last four years. Yeah, yeah, plus... 25. Cause I raised 10 last year. Yeah, right. Um, so it'll be 25 at the end of this year. Yeah. But yeah, you're, you're so right. There, there is opportunities everywhere. And it's just a matter of, you know, do you take it or not? It's just, you know, little things. You might drive down the street and see someone's left their back gate open, close it, they might have a dog. You know, it doesn't <laughs> right. have to be a big thing. Yeah. You know, and I think people are like, oh, well, I actually had somebody on my first ride will say, well, you know, why wouldn't you help Australian children? Sure. Um, and I, my response to that was children are children, whether they're Thai children, whether they're Australian children, whether they're the American children, Chinese children, children are children. Yeah. And, you know, and children should have that basic right. So for me, that's what was so important. It was the, the children aspect of it. That's what um, mm. drew me in. But um, there are opportunities everywhere and you don't, you don't have to change the world. And some people I think are like, oh, I, I, I'm not going to do this because it's not going to make a big difference. Right. Um, um, but you don't know the difference that it's going to have. And mm. if you can't sign up for a bike ride, you know, if it, maybe this charity doesn't resonate with you. That's fine. Yeah. Maybe it's breast cancer. Maybe it's, um, you know, um, children with disabilities or anyone with disabilities. You know, maybe it's somebody who, a charity that does hearing loss or maybe it's feeding the homeless. Whatever kind of resonates with you. Yeah. Um, and it's going to be different for everybody. You know, it might be save the animals or something like that. It, it's going to be different for everybody. And, and you know, um, but there's always something you can do. There yeah. is always something. And, and you don't, you, like you said, it will be presented to you in a number of ways. And, and all throughout your life, this will just keep coming yeah. up. It just won't. You yeah. know, it just will. Um, and it's just about taking, and sometimes it's scary to, you know, sign up for a ride or, or you know, say, oh, can I, how can I help feeding the homeless? Or it's scary to have that conversation and go, you know, can I, can I help? <laughs> um, yeah. But sometimes you just, you know, to get yourself out of that comfort zone, there's a lot of personal growth that goes on in just doing that alone, isn't there? Yeah. Um, like, you know, you would have felt that signing up for the ride, should I be doing this? Can I do this? Totally, um, yeah. Am I going to be good at this? I think that's something that holds a lot of people back. What if I'm not good at it? Can, can I, I tell I... you my, my, this is my binary thinking about what signed me up for the ride in the first place. It was literally yeah. came down to this. So it was a friend of mine um, had signed up and at the time, I think all the spots were gone and then somebody else yep. bailed out. And so it's like, oh, it's available. Do you want to do it? And my thinking was literally this, right? Because like I said, I don't ride bikes, man. Um, <laughs> I don't know if we recorded this earlier on or was this when we were chatting before. But if you added up every bike ride I'd done in my life before we did this 500K <laughs> thing, if I, if I had done more than three kilometers on a bike in my whole life before then, uh, I would have been pushing stretch, it. Yeah. Like I didn't ride a bike much <laughs> at all when I was a kid. So, you know. And I, but I literally had this thought where this thing came along. And for me, it was going, okay, well, look, this thing's come along. I've got a chance to do it. Um, if I didn't do it, what would my reasoning be? Yeah. And I thought my reasoning would be, well, you know, because I haven't really ridden a bike much. Yeah. And I stopped and I thought, would I be happy with that? I was like, mm -hmm. no. Okay, I guess I'm doing the ride then. Yeah, that's really powerful, isn't it? Like to think about it like that. That's a really powerful thing to, to say. And I think I remember my first ride, I'd, ri I'd raised the money. I'd done two practice rides of like 20 kilometers. So mm -hmm. I was set, obviously. <laughs> obviously. Um, but, but, Natural but athlete. Day, <laughs> right. But the day, before I, um, the day before I was due to fly out to Thailand, I'd planned my flights a couple of days before. Uh-huh. 
I actually um, constructed an email that I was going to send to Emma that, you know, works with Business yep. Blueprint and helps to organize the ride. And I had constructed an email and I was pulling out. I was actually wow. pulling out of the ride. Yeah. Um, because I thought like I'd, I'd gone through a bit of a, like a, you know, hard time sure. mentally, like, you know, a bit of a breakup a couple weeks before, <laughs> hadn't been eating properly. Right. I tried to do a 10 kilometer ride and had to turn around because I was like feeling really faint and I'd lost right. my weight and things like that. And I thought, man, I can't do this. Yeah. No way. I can't do this. And I'd actually constructed an email to say, I'm really sorry. I, I can't do the ride. I've raised the money. Obviously the money still goes to the kids. I thought I've raised the money. So they still get the $5,000. Yeah. Um, I don't really know many people on the ride, so I'm not going to be missed. Yeah, um, sure. And I thought, and I'll, I'll just stay home. I'll just, I just won't go. Yeah. And I'd actually, and I thought, oh, you know what? I'll sleep on it, and um, I won't press send just yet. I'll sleep on it, see how I feel tomorrow. But I was a hundred percent. Yep, I'm not doing it. I can't do it. Yeah. Was, I just can't do it. I, I struggled to get through thirty kilometers on that one ride that I did. You know, <laughs> I think it was through twenty kilometers on yeah. that one ride. I did like I can't do this. And I, I thought I'll sleep on it and I'll. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll think about it in the morning. And I got into bed, and because it was the night before, I was due to fly out, and that was the first ride where I didn't take my son. My son had jumped into bed with me to have that last cuddle with mum. Yeah. And um, he heard me as I got into bed, and he goes, are you all right, mum? I said, yeah, mate, I'm fine. Go back to sleep. He said, I'm so proud of you for helping those kids. And then he just went to sleep. He doesn't actually remember it in the next day, but he's, I'm so proud of you for helping those kids. I thought, hang on. I might have raised the sorry. I might have raised the five thousand dollars, and I may not be missed on the ride because no one really knows me. Sure. But I've got this little boy that's looking up at mum, saying, "What is she going to do next?" You know. Yeah. Um, and that's when the next day I just deleted the draft of that email. I thought, no, I've got people watching, and especially my son watching. This, you know, th this is the impact that it could help on them. It, you know, if I'm doing that, then they may be in the future inspired to do something of a similar helping nature and I just thought this little boy is watching his mum going what's she going to do next and how he would be so disappointed if I had pulled out and you know not sure. followed through in something I committed on so that was like no nah, I'm not I'm not sending the email I'm going <laughs> I'm doing this right and here we are four years later <laughs> yeah four, four years and what two thousand kilometers now right like Still unsure if I can complete each ride. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Nikki, I think you're an inspiration. Um, I, you know, that's why, you know, when I got in touch with you in the first place, I think, well, you know what, here's somebody who, I mean, like you mentioned, I, I remember all of us at the start of that ride as well and all of us feeling unprepared and not ready for yeah. what was kind of to come. But what I really loved about your response to this and why I wanted to get your perspective on it was because I know that it was just something that, that resonated with you and like you mentioned you're a non-cyclist but it's <laughs> a oh, tell me about it <laughs> but you know you you just kind of responded and you just kept responding for that you kept looking for yeah. something to contribute and again i just think that's amazing so for anybody who wants to support nikki in her ride um i'm going to put a link to uh her uh riders page on the hands across the water website so you can make a contribution towards that but um also you know what what would you say, Nikki? Final thoughts from you? Because an hour has flown by. Um, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> for somebody who was looking for that for that thing for them that that they can contribute to, um, you have any final words to somebody who is listening for that that particular thing for them? Yeah, I mean, for me, I think it's you know when those opportunities arise to be able to help somebody, big or small, jump at it. 
because if it takes two minutes of your day, if it takes two hours of your day, if it takes two days, what's that in the scheme of your life? Yeah. You don't know, you know, just jump at it and just accept those opportunities that come your way, the opportunities to help. That would be my final thing. Just jump at it, just do it. What, what's it, in the, like I said, in the scheme of things, what really is it to you? And you could make such a big impact on someone else's life. And then that ripple effect that we spoke about at the start, you just don't know how such a small gesture can have such a big ripple effect. So just, yeah, jump at it. Jump at those opportunities. Don't call it a comeback. I've been here for years. I'm rocking my pants. Put suckers in fear.